Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Alex Gehring. Bobby, how are you? <laughs> We're going to go right into that. We're yeah. jumping. Well, yeah, that's what's next on the little thing that, that Amber put together. I know. I know. It says, how are oh, we? You looked ahead of time at an agenda? I always do. I don't know what, what you're talking about. This is more of things than anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, you admitted it on the last one. You're like, I never look at those. Um, <laughs> So when we were on the podcast last, I think I'd been sick for like four or five days. We couldn't figure right. it out. So um, I have now been sick a total of 19 days. <laughs> this actually is two weeks after we recorded the last one. Uh, two weeks ago from Friday, uh, we discovered that my symptoms actually mimicked some of the COVID symptoms. You can actually have COVID without any respiratory symptoms or any fever. And I thought those were two things that you had to have but no you can have just gastrointestinal issues and migraines and there's a lot of people who have tested positive with just those two things so last friday uh or not last friday the friday before last i had the fun opportunity to receive a covid test what i did not know was until they you know they, they stick the thing up your nostril they touch your brain and then right. they go okay now we're going to do the other side they test both sides you don't just get to touch your brain once they touch your brain two times, which was, I was like, well, I should have been told this ahead of time. Did it tickle? Uh, it was uncomfortable. I would not say tickle, but it wasn't painful, but they make you sit on your hands. And I said, oh, is that so I don't try to knock your hand away? And she goes, no, a guy tried to punch me in the face. So she did say I took it better than most people. So I don't know. I just sat there and was like, I don't know. Anyways. So we did I've that. Seen a lot of like celebrities so that was on a Friday. getting tested. I wish I had a video yeah. of you getting tested. I wanted to see your reaction. It would have been lovely, but no one else was allowed in the room other than the tester and myself. So whatever, no worries. Uh, so Tuesday, I get my results back and they tell me that they're negative. And I'm like, but I'm still horribly sick. I still cannot eat anything. Loss of appetite, fatigue. I couldn't move migraines every day. Still, you know, I'm just, I'm sick. So on Wednesday, I talked to my doctor and she's like, well, it was eight days after you showed symptoms before you your test so it's a high probability like 50 percent, that you got a false negative so we're going to continue to treat like it's covid can't really do anything it'll just go away so that was wednesday saturday one of my friends in iowa sends me a link to a newspaper article and it says i know you have high v's in your area i don't this sounds like your symptoms you've been talking about i don't know if you eat this and it was a link to the fda issuing a warning about this high v aldi and jewel osco brand lettuce that has cyclospora which is a parasite and causes all of the same symptoms i had and it just so happened it was the exact lettuce i had been eating four times a week for the last six to eight weeks because i switched over to high v for delivery during covid and I actually had a bag of the exact lettuce in my fridge when I got home. So um, long story short, I'm gonna try to sum it up real quick now. I went to our local urgent care. There was a two hour wait and I was like, I know exactly what's wrong with me. So I went to a different urgent care. There was no wait at that one. Should have known that no one being there and a two hour wait at the other one should have been a good sign, but whatever. I go in, the doctor's like, yeah, yeah. I agree. This is probably what you have, but I'm not going to, and the CDC and several nurses all said, I need a specific antibiotic. There's only one thing that has proven to kill this particular parasite. She says, yeah, I'm not going to give you an antibiotic. I'm just going to give you Zofran for your nausea. And so she leaves the room. She comes back in. She says, you know, I thought about it more and you're, it's 
obvious you're showing signs of dehydration and malnutrition. So I'm going to go ahead and give you an antibiotic. So we knock this out, but not the one you asked for. And I was like, whatever, fine. I leave, I'm drive, pulling into my driveway. My husband and I are switching cars. She calls me and says, you know, I did some more research on cyclospora and I'm gonna switch up your antibiotic, but I'm still not gonna give you the one you asked for. I'm gonna give you this different one. And I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. So I get home, I make a Facebook post about it. And in my Facebook post, a microbiologist and a couple of nurse practitioners speak up and they go, that antibiotic is not going to kill the parasite. You need to get that thing that you asked for. And I was like, oh, son of a monkey. I just want this over with. That's Saturday night when it happens. The urgent care place opens Sunday at 9 a.m. I call them and I said, I need the right antibiotic. You gave me the wrong thing. They said, we don't have any providers here today, so we can't just prescribe anything to you unless there's a provider here, and we don't know when one's going to come in. And I was like, oh how can you be open as an urgent care if you don't have any providers? What? So I wait like two hours. No one calls me back, so I decide to go to the urgent care that had the two-hour wait the day before. There's no wait that day. I'm sitting in the room, and as the doctor walks in to start the exam, because she has to start all over again with me, the, my phone rings, and it's the doctor from the day before going, they paged me at home, and I'm calling you. I'll call in the right prescription for you. She said, I did some research, and that can be an alternative drug for cyclospora. It's the only treatment for cyclospora, whatever. But So then I had to tell that doctor as she was walking in, I don't need you now. So I finally get the drug. I get home. We start to take it. The major side effect of this medicine that I, to fix my gastrointestinal issues, the most common side effect is diarrhea, and it will last for weeks or months after taking it. Months? <laughs> months? That's the... That's I'm laughing the, at it at this point because I don't know what else to do. But apparently it has to like kill off all the bacteria and all the parasites in my stomach. And so it's going to take a really long, like this is a really bad parasite. So there was a USA Today article that came out about the cyclospora um, late Saturday night, Sunday morning. And this is when they just first started notifying people that maybe you have this, maybe you don't. There were already 76 cases, but 16 of those cases were hospitalized over this. So, Jeez, Bobby. I know. I did it right. I got a call from Hy-Vee Corporate today, and they're going to switch me over to the vendor of the lettuce, which is Fresh Express, um, and they're going to call me later this week. So, And what are they going to do? They're going to pay some of my medical bills, probably. That's good. Yeah. I got a feeling there's probably going to be a, a lawsuit. I mean, I'm not coming forward. I mean, it's just I've been highly inconvenienced. <laughs> you heard it here first, days. folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying I've been highly inconvenienced for 19 days, but I didn't end up in a hospital. Um, yeah. It's it's been bad though. Like, I'm so just, sorry. No, but it's not COVID, so yay. Yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah. You know, it's not COVID, but you're gonna have the poops for a month. So that's what's going on. What's going on with you, Alex? Nothing that exciting. Jeez, Louise, that so, is that's intense, Bobby. I told um, you this is going to be a good story for the podcast. Oh, so I, uh, I and I texted you about this. Um, there's a really awesome uh, piece of, uh, okay, it's, it's kind of, it's hard to explain. Okay, so give me a second to explain this. You're stuttering all around it. I can't wait. I know. 
So there's uh, this thing out there called Voice Map, and oh, it's yes. not, it's not real big yet. It's uh, in fact, I think it's been around for a while, and it hadn't really like taken off. But I think that in the era of COVID, uh, and with everything else that's going on, it's worth talking about. And there's something on there that I feel like just about every single real estate professional in our area should should be aware of. So what Voice Map does it is this blend of uh, GPS mapping technology and podcast. And the way that it works is you start in a certain location, and then it guides you uh, over uh, your phone speaker, over your car, if you have it plugged in, it guides you to each next point. And as you reach those points, it gives you, uh, like basically, it, 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 it gives you the content for that point. So, like going on a museum tour, but out in your community. Exactly. That's a perfect, a perfect parallel. So it's just like those things that you have in museums where you're walking around with a little bud in your ear and it's, it's telling you the, uh, the history as you're walking through. So what this one is, there's only one available in Kansas City and it's called uh, Dividing Lines. And it's uh, based on a book called uh, Some of My Best Friends Are Black, uh, which surrounds... Uh, uh, Kansas City uh, real estate development uh, in the 50s and and a few other things. So um, what it does is it starts you at Shawnee Mission East High School. It takes you through Fairway, through Mission Hills, over to the uh, Country Club District, through or really around the plaza, and then it takes you over uh, to Brookside, um, and then it takes you all the way to Center High School. And all along the way, it's telling you the history of uh, blockbusting and redlining and how it has affected uh, the Kansas City area um, even still today and how it's, it's still uh, causing some issues uh, within our, our uh, society. It was one of the most eye-opening things. It's one of those things where we learn about redlining. We learn, we learn about blockbusting when we're getting our licenses. It's something that we, we understand the definition of those items. What we don't understand is, uh, anyway, I shouldn't say we, what I hadn't fully grasped is how people, how they were used in practice and how seriously it's still affecting us today. Even though those practices have been outlawed for 70 years, we're or close to 70 years, we're still experiencing the effects of that today. I strongly encourage you to go in and, and look it up. Like I say, the app is called Voice Map. It was put together by the Johnson County Public Library. It is not a, a political thing at all. Um, it doesn't really get into politics. It is truly a history lesson of development in Kansas City and, uh, and, and has a lot of lessons to be learned. So um, I've taken a lot of my agents on it um, and uh, I have had nothing but, uh, but kind of eye-opening feedback um, for people of all walks of life. So I would strongly recommend it. I'll send the link to Amber um, and uh, maybe we can get it, get it up somewhere. It's, it's incredible. And I'm surprised Johnson County Public Library isn't putting it out there like crazy right now. It's so relevant at this at this uh, juncture, and I, I'm very surprised that it's not uh, that more people aren't talking about it. it. You can stay in your car the entire time. It takes about an hour and a half 
Um, so you're not getting out and mingling with people. It's perfect for COVID time. You know, you can be safe with your family and um, I've taken my family on it. I've been on this thing now like five times um, and I learn something new every single time. So anyway, that's my, that's my pitch on uh, the dividing lines voice map thing. I love it. So we'll send that link over to Amber and whenever she posts this podcast, she can put that in the link so they can click on it right there. And KCRAR could share it just on its regular page. Look at that. Boom. Look at you being a resourceful member. Boom. All right, let's so see. Honestly, I was, look, I was just looking for something that, you know, some educational tools surrounding, right. uh, you know, something that, you know, beyond just a, you know, blanket statement, you know, I wanted to find yeah. something where we could like learn about this stuff. And so I, I found it on Twitter of all things. Somehow it popped up on Twitter and it was like a tweet from three years ago. And uh, so this has been around for a while. And then I tried it and it was awesome. So Well, since you told me about it, I've actually seen like four or five other people post on Facebook about doing it. And they're not people connected to real estate. Um, one person, she's connected to the Kansas City Public Library. Um, I can't forget the other people were, but they were all just separate people. But I was like, once I saw it once, then I kept seeing other people. So someone's talking about it somewhere, but I don't know where that somewhere is. So It's so, it's so integral to our uh, industry and so yes. focused on our industry. Um, and I think that uh, it, it would, that people just need to, people need yeah. to be aware. Yeah. So while we're there, we have the Unity concert. Being broadcast live tonight. Yay! Live tonight. Yes. Well, I guess it's not live. It's recorded, but it's going out on Facebook. It's a live event. And where can we so, find it, Bobby? Uh, uh, Amber's going to tell us. Probably on our, our Facebook page. Our page. Sorry, our Facebook Maybe. page, I assume. Yeah, cool. Um, but we're really excited about putting together this Unity concert. You know, we, um, after all hell broke loose, literally, um, our diversity committee came together very quickly and put together two amazing events. Um, this unity concert being one and the other being the neighborhood cleanup that as of the day of recording, this just happened, um, this morning. And so I, I, I know, I, I know we're getting some flack from people that there wasn't a lot of notice, but these were also urgent matters that we wanted to get to ASAP. We didn't want to delay, um, getting a neighborhood cleaned up from graffiti and other things that were going on there. Uh, any longer just so maybe you know a few more members it's an ongoing effort and we had to start somewhere uh, so I'm excited about the unity concert tonight because we have like so many different walks of life and types of music um, that are going to be there and I'm not going to spoil it for everybody but it's a unity concert which means there's going to be everything everybody's going to be getting Bobby's all of the stuff spoil it for you because we don't have all of the details <laughs> All the details we have some I could tell them some things but I'm not we I know at least four different types of music that are gonna be there and I'm not sharing them so okay okay see? there we go we were right. discussing this as you were showing up Alex I can't help it that you were a couple minutes late I was I was right on time I was right I was coming out of another committee meeting you're fine oh. you're fine who's coming oh. who's coming on today Alex who do we got who's our guest we have your very own president of the National Association of Realtors, Vince Malta. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. We're, we're I, really happy to have him on. And, and Bobby, thank you for, for the hookup. You hooked yeah. us up. Yeah, happy to. Vince Great. is a, 
lives in San Francisco. So his experience as a realtor is so like the polar opposite of ours here in the middle of the country that I'm, I'm, ex and I'm just excited to get to know him as, you know, more as a human. I mean, I know him fairly well personally, but for our members to get to know him on a personal level, what makes him tick, he's an amazing, um, individual. So it's, he's very, very interesting to listen to. Awesome. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Hey, oh, do you have a book bit today? I do have a book. Okay, bit. I got to stop you for a second. Okay. I had a pretty good idea for a book bit considering your, you did. your situation and you didn't take it. I thought that you needed to You didn't it. offer it until the moment right before we recorded this, okay? So in my fairness, had you suggested it before we got here, I probably would have taken you up on the offer, but I have a better one. I'm going to outdo you. Go okay. ahead, tell them. Tell them what your idea was. I, I, I thought that she needed to do everybody poops. Everybody poops. Yep. That could have yeah. been it, but it wasn't. What do you want to know what my book is? Yeah. Okay. I got to read it. A Complete Reference Guide. Louisville Slugger Professional Player Bats by Vince Malta. Oh, that's right. I'm doing a book bit on our guest own book that they wrote. Yep, that's what I did. So now one of the things we're going to discover about Vince when we talk to him is he is a baseball collectibles nerd. And he is like the number one guy in the U.S. on authenticating Louisville Slugger baseball bats that have been used by professional players. Like people all around the world will send him bats and he will go authenticate whether it's an actual Mickey Mantle bat or it's an actual whoever bat, he goes and does this. And I guess it started back in like 1905 that there was a licensing agreement made that allowed you to be able to start tracking Louisville sluggers and the baseball players that they're attached to. So this book is like known as like the number one book worldwide for referencing player bats. And it's like, Several, he gave oh, everybody that went to his installation um, for being president when we were back in San Francisco in November. Everybody got a copy of the book for free. And so last night when I think of my book bit, I'm like, Vince has a book. That could be our book bit. <laughs> Am I not awesome? I'm awesome. That is awesome. But no, it's really awesome. fascinating, especially for people who love baseball and collectibles and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but it's a completely different side of him that's he loves baseball. I have a feeling he's going to talk about that in the interview. We haven't interviewed him yet, so we don't know. Um, I have a feeling it's going to come up, though. Oh, I can't wait. I know. All, All right. right. We probably ought to wrap this up because he should be jumping in here anytime. Okay. All right. Should you want to wrap it up? How All right. We'll be back to you. We, it's, it's hard to wrap things up on Zoom. I know. It really is. That's fine. Uh, so we will be right back with Vince Malta. Here, do we do the thing where we just wave the entire time? Is that we how we wave. wrap up a Zoom section? Yeah, but just with no words. So the, the, no guests, words. the listeners have no idea what's happening. Wave. None. MLS Touch is a brand new app coming to Heartland MLS on July 13th. It's free to all HMLS subscribers with absolutely no upselling or all the spammy emails that we like to get deeply integrated within Matrix, and there's a whole lot of features. Alex, tell us about the features. The new features include search tools, you've got listing and showing details, property history right at your fingertips, fingertips, fingertips. Oh my gosh, I love it. Also, we're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep that in there. Uh, instant comparables available as soon as you click on a listing. One of my favorite things uh, is that we are going to be able to do ad edit on this app so you're actually going to be able to change uh statuses on your listings within the app so that's going to be great your supplements are going to be there 
It's still gonna have the same showing time integration that we already enjoy. There's a client collaboration piece of it. You can brand your own app. There are hot sheets that you can build into it, market stats, and your realist tax data all in one app. Can you believe it? It's all there. It's all there. This is what we've always wanted, Bobby. And MLS always. is providing it to us. Heartland MLS is providing it to us. That's right, they are. And that's MLS Touch coming out July 13th. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRER. We are here with NAR President Vince Malta. Vince, like we said before, is from San Francisco. Welcome, Vince, to our podcast. Pleasure to be here with you, Bobby, and your crew. We love having you here. Now, I've, I've recently started switching up questions, and I think you're the first realtor to get this question. No, I may have asked it to Elizabeth, but well, maybe I didn't. I don't remember. My question to you is, we all have bios, and we all hate our bios. We hate people reading our bios and putting them together and bleh, all that stuff. So if you could pick one thing from your bio that you want to be known for and the one thing that shows off your personality the most, what are those things? So the one thing I'd really like is he was a good father and husband. If, 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 I, if I just leave it at that, I, I'm fine. So it tells a little bit of my personality, my family, uh, and my friends, they're everything. So, um, and I consider my realtor family, again, family, so everything. So if I could be remembered as that, awesome. You know, and, and I appreciate you not reading my obituary. I hate when they read that whole list. It's like, wow. That's what's going to happen that day, huh? Jeez. Well, that's awesome. I know that that's, that's uh, we've talked a lot about what uh, our why is in this industry. And uh, I know that that's, that's always what I come back to, too, is making sure that I'm providing for them and that I'm able to be there with them, too, at the same time. And I'm so grateful to be a part of an industry that allows that. So, um, yep. this, Isn't it a balance? It is a balance. Our, what we do in our business lives and our familial lives it's a balance. And I think, as you say, real estate allows us to do that. It's, it's a challenge, but uh, we, can, we can move things around. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people uh, start conversations with me asking, you know, why real estate? But Bobby gave us a little bit of information about you uh, before uh, you came on. And so rather than why, why real estate, I'm going to ask you, why bats? So I love history. And um Baseball bats, I collect baseball bats of uh, players that used them in the game. And it was a hobby because it's a piece of history. And uh, to hold a bat that Babe Ruth used to hit a home run, uh, it's, it's, it's an iconic thing. It's, just, so it's, a, it's a piece of Americana. And you learn a lot about a player and their traits. Like Babe Ruth scored his bat with a bottle cap to cut the spin of a ball. When you see that on a bat, it's a signature of Babe Ruth all over it. So I love the connection of the player to the game and history of baseball, such a storied history. And we may actually play some baseball this year. Who knows? I'm told we might play 50 to 60 games. So that's why bats. That um, tells a lot about a player. That's awesome. Good answer. So Alex said he wasn't going to ask it, but I'm going to ask it. How did you get into real estate, especially in San Francisco? <laughs> So I'm a third generation realtor. And um, so you might say uh, I was born into the business. Uh, but I have to tell you, I resisted it. I saw how hard my father and grandfather worked. And uh, I became a lawyer. I, um, I actually went to law school 
passed the bar exam. And um, while I was doing that, I was selling real estate to um, my law professors. And um, I found a greater connection with the people aspect of real estate in dealing with uh, successes and dealing with the emotion of putting someone into a home, a property, a business, much more than just dealing with people's problems. And so while we are problem solvers in our business, at the end of the day, it's very satisfying and gratifying to, to make people's dreams come true. Um, so rather than manage their nightmares. Uh, so uh, that's how I got into real estate. I just, it was in me, it's in my blood and uh, just did it. And uh, no regrets, 42 years later. As a second generation realtor, this was never the thing I was ever gonna do. I understand completely. Yep. <laughs> I tried to escape so many times. It just kept but, roping me back in. I was like, this is meant to be. I love being here. I love doing- It's just in us. It's just in us, right? So yeah. yeah. And then you start thinking about doing other things. We go back to the balance conversation. And I realize I can never have the balance I have in my life if I were to go do anything else. That this affords us everything. And back to Alice's point, that gets us our why. So speaking of whys, why did you want to be NAR president? Yeah, that's, that's another one. You know, especially- and why 2020 president? Right? Why 20? I mean, <laughs> why did you pick this year? As a fellow I mean, president, I, I understand. So the the the, the, the not so funny joke is, you know, uh, looked in the realtor playbook. There is no playbook for a global pandemics. Okay, we're literally writing one every every day. The reason I wanted to be president was I I wanted to be able to facilitate and help members attain what they want to attain. And a lot of people say, gee, you've really got a tough break being president this year. And, you know, it's so not about me being president. It's about helping members get through this, making them stronger on the other side. That's what this is all about. So um, it's nothing personal. It, it was all about service for me and just wanting to do it. And I am not unique. Realtors all over the country do this in their communities. I'm so proud to be a realtor um, with what they're doing, especially through this pandemic. The things they are doing right now, they're, they're donating their time, they're donating their efforts to, to make sure that care providers are able to, to, be, able to be able to do their work and serve the public. Um, they're finding places for them to live temporarily um, so that they can do their work and socially distance when they get home to their families. So they're finding temporary shelter for them. Um, they're donating computers because kids are learning from school right now. Um, and so that they have a way to learn. So I can go on. So the, the being a realtor is a real giving thing. And so I am not unique in this situation. So there. It's really clear that you have uh, such a service mindset. And I know Bobby does too. Um, I really admired that. And I'm just kind of curious how you uh, got uh, started in service through the National Association, you know, State Association, Regional Association. What was your trajectory like, uh, you know, getting where you are now? So because I had a legal degree, um, the first thing I did was I was helping out with uh, Code of Ethic Complaints, um, arbitration, and I was doing mediation at the association and uh, was kind of good at it. And 
we do it every day in our business. We mediate, don't we? I mean, that's, yeah. that's why we're there um, in bringing the buyer and seller together and finding out the commonalities and working out some of the issues. And so I got involved with that. And uh, through that, um, being in San Francisco, we have a lot of challenges in relation to property rights. And I realized the San Francisco Association of Realtors was so good at representing us in really difficult situations for advocacy and to be a part of something that was much larger than, than I or my business or um, just doing that collective effort. It felt so good to be a part of and help. Um, and so I got involved with that at the local level and moved up to the state level when someone asked me, didn't know there was a state association. I thought they put out a magazine maybe, didn't know what went on. And Lord knows, didn't know what a national association was because, you know, you just, there's just a local association. That's all you go in and touch, pick up your forms in those days. So someone asked. And so that's why I'm here. My ask was Richard Sachs, wonderful man. Um, never forget him. And so I ask many of you that are in that position, ask people to step up, you know, and don't say, could you do this? Or We need you. We need you because you do this so well. And when you do that, they feel, wow, you know, okay. And um, that's what got me started. When we, talk to, when we talk to so many of our leaders, especially the people involved at national and state, they all say the exact same thing. I say the same thing. I'm here because someone asked me, mm -hmm. you know, my, because of my experience with my mom growing up, I, I was burnt out of real estate. Someone asked me to be a part. Actually, I started at the state association, worked my way back and then up someone made the ask of me and I found a whole new world. I found a whole new appreciation. I found a whole new family. You know, our nationals family, we are spread out all over the country, but we truly are a family. We yeah. see each other a couple times a year and it's like nothing passed, nothing happened, nothing changed. We're still there as a family. Um, and I love my Missouri friends. An yeah, I mean, and I have to say, we don't get paid anything. Understand this is volunteer stuff, whatever but you get so much more out of participating and belonging to the association than you will ever put in it. And that is a guarantee. So step up, it's, it's an amazing experience. Yeah, just the way I've changed as a human being because of the people I surround myself with has been worth any time that I've spent or any money I've spent to go to any of the meetings. You truly get more than you feel like you're giving. Um, but so let's talk, so I, obviously I know you have spent some time on some committees and things with you that are nice and fun, but what actually do you do in your role as an NAR president? Do people understand that? Well, I, I, I'm on Zoom. That's what yeah. I do. <laughs> if, if you asked me what that was four months ago, I would have said, hmm, you know? Um, so what we do right now is, I'll tell you specifically, as president of NAR, you work with a leadership team, you work with staff, you work with members, and it's, it's, it's all about working together. It's, it's getting on calls with state organizations and local organizations uh, because we're an unusual thing. We have representation at all levels. So it's basically uh, working with, with people. Um, and I like to make judgment calls. Sure, I like to do that, but I like to involve people in those decisions because they're going to be asked about those decisions, uh, not just me and we want to make sure that we're on the same page moving forward. So it's collectively working together. And I got to tell you, uh, the silver lining with COVID-19 is that we have a more engaged membership than ever, than ever. 
Um, uh, we had a, a meeting in May, which uh, we go to Washington, D.C. We couldn't do that in person. Normally have 9,000 people at that meeting for our mid-year meetings where we march on the Hill. We had 28,000 people register that event. We had three times the number of people. It's, it's amazing. So, so we found new ways of doing things and communicating with people that I think will be very long lasting. So as president, it's, it's the biggest role is communicating on behalf of the association, being that representative and making sure you're including people in the process. So, because you think well beyond leadership, because uh, it, it, those are the future leaders. You want to make sure that you bring them on. It's not the Vince Malta show. If it was, it would be extremely boring. So, there you go. In addition to communication and the way that, especially the association, communicates with people, how else do you see uh, COVID nineteen and everything that we're going through right now? Uh, what else? How else do you see that impacting our day to day as realtors? both uh, as uh, practitioners in the field and also as service to their community? Well, whoever said we can't adapt? Realtors are the best adapters out there. We've adapted through multitude of situations. COVID-19 is yet another example of how we show our relevance. Number one, in virtually every state, not all states, but virtually every state, we were deemed essential, okay? And we were able to do things right out of the box by still keeping clients safe, doing social distancing, using virtual tools, um, showing properties, getting transactions closed, all virtually, okay? And so that's been amazing. So that demonstrates the power of our resiliency and how we adapt. And so what does that come out of COVID-19? Well, let me say this. Imagine if we were in the airline industry, the hotel or restaurant industries, big challenges there. Realtors are going to help lead our economy through recovery because no matter what, we've shown that we could do it through the toughest times and during the times as we gradually open this economy. So uh, we're very proud uh, of that. And we're gonna look to adapt to all situations um, some states had it very difficult uh, and we're still able to do things. So um, I think that's the, that's kind of the big takeaway as, as realtors out there that we did even more so than the communication tools because those will ever evolve. But that's the one constant. We're resilient and we'll change. And, and Vince, would you say that, you know, because all the states except for one was declared essential and, you know, e-notary, all those things that we got through. Would you say that advocacy and the relationships we've worked so hard on establishing the last 20, 30, 40 years uh, really came through for us in that moment when we needed it? Oh, Bobby, yeah, you, you said it all. I mean, that, that really is what happened. It all came together. We were able to accomplish things. You know, in my 42-year history uh, being a realtor, I've never seen more done for our members at the local, state, and national level than I did over the last four months. It, it was absolutely incredible. We were included uh, for um, independent contractors, self-employed, which is us, okay? We're included for SBA loans. Uh, we were included for unemployment assistance. Um, we were uh, instrumental in helping people with forbearance agreements, um, extending 1031 exchanges, opportunity zones. 
I mean, it goes on what we did with the, the lending community and working, collaborating with them to make sure we had that pipeline going. There, on so many levels, it, it took um, to, because we learned lessons from the Great Recession, did we not? We want to keep people in their home, at all, if at all possible. And by working out these forbearance agreements, many people were able to do that. We have a lot yet to do, but um, first phase, I think, has been very helpful for millions of Americans. I've got it. So well, why don't we take a second to just talk a little bit about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and kind of how that's been affecting the country and, and a lot of the conversations that are, uh, that are coming out and uh, especially the ones that are surrounding real estate. Um, Bobby and I were just talking about a, a really cool tour that, uh, that takes you through uh, Kansas City through the lens of segregation and the long-term effects of it and the long-term effects of blockbusting and redlining. Um, and I was just kind of curious uh, what uh, you had to say about what all's going on out there. Well, right off the bat, uh, we were, uh, right off the bat, Black Lives Matter, we were uh, really taken aback by uh, the killing of George Floyd. And it has been um, a really instrumental time for our members to come together on an issue of such importance. Why? Why? Because we're at the front lines of community, of, of home ownership. And back last year, back in July, and Bobby knows this, okay, one of the things that we worked on was um, equality and inclusiveness and affordability. That's been our huge issue in relation to housing. And we're collaborating with other groups to make sure that that occurs. That happened last year. We hired Brian Green from HUD to come up with a program for fair housing to make sure that that occurs. Um, and with the latest protests, um, we've been working very hard on making sure that realtors don't just say the words, we have to live it in our business. So it's, it's not like some coffee company coming out and making you feel good as you drink their caramel macchiato that they say Black Lives Matter. We need to live it as an organization because we're on the front lines with housing and community. And we just wrote a letter to Congress regarding our position because we're going to see legislation come out of all of this. Um, and we told them that there is no room for discrimination in society. And we want to be an active participant to make sure that happens. So, um, and Bobby, you're going to appreciate this. We're doing a pivot on uh, strategic thinking. You know, Bobby chaired strategic thinking at NAR. And we're going to be looking just at this discrimination issue and how we as realtors could lead our industry and our communities uh, through this. And um, so we're looking forward to those discussions. So it's no longer just talking about, you know, the commission models and all of that. This is the issue that we want to continue forward, which really shows that future leadership will be looking for the same. That's great. That's great. You said it, you said it perfectly. It's not about making people feel good about using a realtor. It's about trying to, trying to help shift some of the systemic issues that our industry uh, largely helped create unfortunately, uh, decades ago. And so you said it perfectly. Thank you. And, and if I could add one thing is that, that, that some people feel very uncomfortable with these conversa conversations. Like, it's not a problem. I'm not a racist, okay? Well, overt racism is one thing, okay? And there's no room for that, of course. But we um, are working on bias. And we are working with uh, a group 
to put out uh, a video that you'll see, and I hope our members will link to. It's dealing with implicit bias so that we can have conversations on not what not to say, but what are our protocols of what we should be doing, what sh we should be saying in relation to bias at the association level, at the member level, and how we practice our business. And so look forward to that being the impetus for training in the future so that we can deal with the real issue because it's not overt discrimination. It's the real issue is the, the, the bias uh, unknowingly or knowingly got to work on that. And you know, I'm, I'm, I still serve on Stack this year, and I, I knew what we were planning on doing this year, the original plan, and I was like, that'll be cool, that'll be fine. But you're talking about the pivot. I am so excited, like, ready, let's go, let's do our thing. Um, I'm so excited to hear that. Even back in 2008, at our mid-year legislative meetings, we talked about our storied past, even as the National Association, and how we recognized the fact that we had to change who we are intrinsically as an organization to come into the new world and I still, I will always remember that it wasn't a poem, but the, the, the it wasn't a play, but the, the thing that happened up on the stage, the voices, the people, the stories, that moment will for, I'll be the one of the best NAR moments that I have ever had. And I was so proud of our national association in that moment. And I continue to be so proud as we go forward because even beyond the racism, whether it's implicit or overt, we still see within our communities segregation happening, still school districts divided because of stuff that happened 50, 60, 70 years ago. And until we can figure out how to fix that, we will always have it to a certain degree. Um, and again, you're so right, because if that, if I'm not mistaken, you're talking about the commemoration of the 50th uh, year of yes. the passage of the, uh, the 1968 Fair Housing Law. And the reason we weren't celebrating it and commemorating it is because we're not there yet. And that's why we commemorated it. And the stories that you're telling about were very impactful. So uh, we have a ways to go. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. We definitely do. Well, Vince, I know you have a very busy schedule and we only asked for 30 minutes of it. So we don't want to take up more than a lot of time. But one of the questions that I like to ask our guests at the very end is what have we not asked you that we should have asked you? Well, um, what have you not asked me? Uh, is whether we're going to have a convention in November. I was avoiding it. <laughs> I mean, what are we going to be doing, right? Um, uh, and for, the, for your listeners that don't understand what it is, we meet twice a year uh, in person. And, you know, it's so difficult. This, this COVID-19 is so difficult for realtors because we're people people. We like to be in each other's faces. We like, we like to be with each other. And so this is not easy for us. And so many people are saying for our convention in New Orleans, we would like to be the first ones out of the box, be there in person. We were the first ones at large convention to go back to New Orleans after Katrina. And the people mm -hmm. were so grateful. Okay, yeah. This is different. We can't put our members in harm's way. Uh, we've polled our members. We, so we're going to make a final decision on in the next couple of days. But know this, there will be some form of virtual meeting to every meeting that we probably do on a large scale because we realize that it's important to engage our members um, and uh, get them included. So instead of getting 15,000, 20,000 people, let's say in any convention, we could have 50 to 100,000 people with these new mediums. We can meet more often, who says just twice a year. There's a lot of things we could be doing. So thank you for not asking. So I brought up the convention issue. We'll be making a decision, but you know, uh, I, uh, very shortly you'll get an announcement on that.
Well, we appreciate that you're wanting to keep our friends safe, though. But so that that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's first and foremost, always. Okay. That's we'll right. we'll work another day. Okay. So good. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time here today, Vince. We really appreciate you making time to head on out to the Midwest from the comfort of your home. <laughs> And I, and I want to thank all of you for getting the good word out and for what you're doing for our members in the community. So thank you for doing that very important thing as my wife keeps reminding me, communicate, communicate, communicate. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you.